Welcome, everybody, to the Flashpoint Podcast. My name is Owen Higgins. I am your host, as always. Um, if you are listening on the app, I would ask that you hit that subscribe button so that you can keep up with uh, the work that we're doing and the guests that we have. And, yeah, so today we're going to be talking about Tucker Carlson, the Fox News host who has been doing, I think, a pretty good job recently of kind of pitching himself to elements of the left as something of an anti-war voice. And he, he's most recently done this on the issue of Russia and Ukraine, where obviously, uh, you know, Russian forces are on the border of Ukraine and the U.S. is dumping arms into neighboring countries that they have alliances with. And the whole thing is, is, is pretty complicated and has to do with much more than just even the last decade in Ukraine. Anyway, I'm not going to digress too much on that, but uh, he, he has said that he wants us to stay out of Ukraine and has, has been kind of pushing back against the, the march to war there, uh, so to speak in a lot of ways. And that has earned him, a lot of praise from some elements of the left and, and of course, uh, left adjacent conservative pundits like Glenn Greenwald, uh, who's, who's a frequent guest on the program. Uh, not going to make this about Greenwald. Just do have to mention him though. Um, so, but as, as dishonest as I think this praise is, it is worth interrogating why Carlson has been able to present himself as an anti-war voice and kind of more broadly, the way that he and hosts on the network have presented Fox News as kind of an iconoclastic place for for kind of disaffected lefties to go. And I think that one reason for that is that CNN and MSNBC, which are the other two of the big three cable news networks, haven't really been providing that element of the progressive or the liberal base uh, with a place for that. They've been increasingly militaristic and increasingly interested in um, kind of uh, presenting themselves as, as part of state power and, and the CIA, FBI and militarism, especially now that Biden's in power. But even before that, obviously during Trump, when there was this kind of unspoken back and forth, deep state Trump war that was going on, uh, CNN and MSNBC decided that they were going to be firmly on the side of, I guess what you could even refer to as, as neocons. And, and that's been reflected in their programming. So I, I think this is an interesting topic. And I think that there are a couple of, uh, of avenues to address. And I, you know, I think that we should probably start with Tucker Carlson himself and what he is pitching to his audience and what it seems like he's pitching to his audience and what he kind of the disconnect here between what's really happening and, and the way that it's kind of being perceived and being presented to people. And so luckily uh, today I am joined by AJ plus host and media critic, Sana Saeed, uh, a, a longtime online friend who I'm finally getting to, to talk to uh, quote unquote in real life. And, uh, you know, Saad has been a media critic for, for quite some time um, and has some really good insights, I think, into 
both what conservative media and what liberal media are doing uh, as as kind of uh, it, it, with respect to this Tucker Carlson issue, this kind of militarism issue, and kind of more broadly what that means about American media and what kind of place, if any, there is for, for people of a left persuasion. So, Sana, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Owen. It's great to chat, and I love that um, this is a topic that we're going to be chatting about. So I'm, I'm actually very excited to talk about this. Yeah, yeah. It, it just kind of all – we had this booked. Like, we decided that we were going to do a show, and then it kind of all just kind of clicked together over the last couple of days. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that it's working out. So, yeah, can – do you kind of want to give us your perspective on this and, and your kind of the, the way that you view Carlson and his quote unquote anti-war positions? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I've been thinking, I mean, I think about this quite generally quite a bit, um, but I think especially since you reached out, I've been thinking a lot about it. And um, I, I, honestly, it's like one of my biggest frustrations when I see in particular, like, again, this is specifically talking to, uh, the very online left, right? I think it, when we're when we're talking about even this conversation, a lot of these things that we see, uh, these conversations around even Tucker Car- Tucker Carlson as being positioned as quote unquote anti-war is coming uh, on the left. It's it's coming for, or quote unquote on the left is coming from I would say like a very online um, uh, segment of left or people who may have leftist positions um, on certain things such as foreign policy and maybe healthcare, et cetera, but aren't necessarily ideologically inclined to what we would consider to be, you know, um, a leftist politic. And um, with regards to Tucker Carlson in, a, in and of himself, I mean, I think it is completely the wrong idea that he is anti-war. I think that he, like many conservatives or those on the far right, where I think he would actually find himself most comfortable on many of his ideas, um, he's not anti-war as much as he is someone who wants perhaps a single front confrontation versus a multi-front confrontation, right? Because Carlson absolutely and very explicitly, uh, and he tells us this, that America has enemies, right? And these aren't just enemies in the international sphere, but also um, in the in the domestic sphere, of course, like hence his positions on everything ranging from, you know, what he has to say about police to immigration. Um, and that's a very conservative and, of course, also liberal, depending on a few things. Uh, it's a very liberal and conservative position to have that enemies aren't simply abroad, but also very much so at home, too. And um, with regards to, you know, you mentioned Russia and Ukraine, Carlson doesn't see um, Russia as a threat to the United States, right? That it continues, the, the, the threat that it continues to be made into. And I think many of us on the left or who would identify uh, on the left uh, would agree with that as well, that there is much more, there's a bigger bark there than there is actually a bite. And I think um, he, like many other conservatives, and I think we need to be also listening to conservatives who aren't just media pundits, but even those conservatives who uh, would find themselves in, let's say, political science departments or in the columns of New York Times or wherever else. Um, for them, the more sizable threat, and I wouldn't say it's a sizable threat militarily, but more economic and ideological, um, is China, right? And so Carlson isn't opposed at all to confronting China, to heightening those tensions whatsoever. The the whole idea for these 
um, you know, quote unquote anti-war, which they're not at all, but these quote unquote anti-war right-wingers is that we need to focus on only one theater because the American military and American military might is not what it used to be. And our focus should be on what is the greatest threat to the United States, which is China. Um, I think that is where we find someone like Tucker Carlson. Uh, he's not coming from a position where he thinks war is bad. He's not coming from a position where he believes that American militarism is bad. I think the position that, not even I think, we know that the position he's coming from is a long-held um, classical liberal, also conservative position of that militarism is good when it's used in service of our of, of, of protection of our country, our borders, and against our real enemies. And so there are so many other factors that can, of course, go into why he, for instance, has a position that he does in particular on Russia. But those are also very similar to positions he held on, for instance, on Syria, right? When, um, you know, when President Trump uh, uh, had that one airstrike, one, one infamous, right? The one infamous airstrike. Um, the one, against, the one where he became president. That one. The one, the one where, where who was it? Brian Williams quoted Leonard Cohen, and I was like, oh my god! <laughs> like oh, as man. someone who lived in that. Montreal and is a Canadian, the the misuse of Leonard Cohen's uh, words was absolutely horrifying. But yeah, no, exactly. That the one airstrike that made uh, President Trump presidential. Um, you know, Carlson did critique it. Right. And and I don't think that's because he's like, we shouldn't be in Syria because duh, duh, whatever. But rather, again, it, it goes back down to that core belief of um, we should be like focusing all our resources to what is the real big threat, which is, you know, China. And then, of course, our borders, protecting our borders, our southern southern borders from these like vile immigrants who come and so on and so forth. So I think that is the most important thing to to think about when it comes to Tucker Carlson, that A, he's not anti-war. And I think to continue even positioning him as an anti-war right winger is is just dishonest based on purely what he himself has said and has been consistent on for de for at least two decades now. Um, and then also that Carlson is very much a part of a conservative slash even classical liberal tradition when it comes to understanding um, American militarism and just the use of like what what military is, you know, good for. Um, that's how I kind of start off with 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 Carlson in and of himself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it the way that you're talking about it is. A lot of that is speaks to an opinion that I share, which is kind of like to approach someone like Carlson as if he's an ally on this stuff is like approaching Ron Paul like back in 2008 as if he was an ally on this stuff. <laughs> you know, it, look, it's nice that they're saying uh, some things uh, against a specific war, but let's not try and deceive ourselves to think that that they're on our side or that they're coming to these conclusions for the same reasons. Um, you know, I, I do want to say though, that one thing that struck me when you were talking, you were saying, you know, most of the people who are referring to Carlson as, as an anti-war voice uh, in, in this respect are kind of like these, these more online uh, left voices. And obviously as, as people in media and online media, we, we certainly hear from them like a lot more than I think most people would, but I, I do see, and this is anecdotal, but I do see a lot of this stuff bleeding through into the real world, into real life where people are, you know, people who I know who are not um, online to the extent that I am, or, or even really at all will bring up like arguments that have been made in, in 
like, you know, t- talking during 2020 about how, you know, uh, Tulsi Gabbard was, was this great anti-war uh, voice as, you know, and, and, but that, not that so much because that could be kind of based on the debates and stuff, but using the specific language that I was seeing online from, from certain members of, of what I would call kind of like this faux left right wing uh, ascendant kind of movement that we're seeing. And so I think that there is, I, I think that it is a little bit more than just online, this, um, this perception of Carlson. And I think that he is probably reaching people who are kind of disaffected lefties who are probably like not super keyed in and not super engaged. And I, I kind of wonder, and, and, you know, and, and again, I don't want to digress too much on, on this point, but I, I, I do just kind of want to get your kind of feedback on that. I mean, do you think that it is just like strictly an online phenomenon or do you think that they're that, I mean, or is what I'm saying kind of ringing true to you? No, uh, thanks for actually giving me the opportunity to clarify. I think what I meant by that was that this particular conversation that we're having is also just very much so um, the way that we're having it about Tucker Carlson being, you know, this anti-war, et cetera, et cetera. um, That to me is a very, it's something that I see happen more online um, amongst like segments of people who may be identifying as left or hold certain leftist positions or kind of are in like a gray area with regards to political allegiances, what have you. Um, I do see, of course, like there are people in my own personal life when I, you know, I'm speaking also with organizers or um, people who are just, you know, from everyday walks of life as well. Like um, that sounded very, by the way, Tom Friedman, like, oh, yeah, just talking to my cab driver. Um, No, but like, you know. Yes, you do see these talking points absolutely seep into like, yeah, we shouldn't be in Syria because of those crazy terrorists and that, et cetera, et cetera. Right. It's like and which is a very also like now it's not an anti-imperialist framing. It's actually very much so a war on terror kind of framing. You know, um, you do see these talking points go through. And I don't think it's and of course, like we know that what is Fox News is like the number one watched cable news channel in this entire country and by a lot. And Tucker Carlson runs one of the most like, you know, popular shows in the country as well. Um, so, of course, those talking points are going to, you know, kind of dribble through. Also, with regards to like you mentioned, Tulsi Gabbard. I mean, I know so many people who were not, you know, chronically online and absolutely loved her. Right. Without actually knowing much about any of her other positions or the context in which even her quote unquote anti war positions were coming into. Um, so, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I think uh, I agree with you absolutely that this, these are things that are seeping into, that have seeped into, um, you know, uh, well outside of the online sphere. My point was more about like this particular conversation where people are heralding someone like Tucker Carlson as an ally we should be working with, for instance, like, uh, you know, people on the left, oh, we should bring in a, a much bigger tent. We should be going on to, you know, Carlson's show because we could reach that audience, et cetera. I think that particular conversation is a very online conversation, which doesn't mean, by the way, like, I think it's easy to think about online conversations and quote unquote discourses as always pejorative, is always negative, as though it's so detached from the rest of the world and not necessarily because we know how much of an impact all of that has on also like real world organizing policies and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, I appreciate that clarification. So uh, let's let's talk a little bit more about um, Tucker's foreign policy views themselves. And, and I'm also going to uh, invite uh, 
Nikki Ramirez to to call in, um, to maybe get in the queue so that we can we can take you here in a second. But um, so you you were saying that there's this kind of desire by Carlson and 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 kind of his ideological allies on the right to have this kind of one kind of one front mentality towards China. Can you can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the idea is simply that, um, and this has been something that's, again, it's repeated by by, by many people on, on the right. Um, there was actually a really good article uh, that I, I haven't read it in full yet. So I started, I just read parts of it because it was shared on Twitter, but it was a good excerpt. Uh, let me just pull it out really quickly. There it is. It's called Why Progressives Should Be Cautious About the Anti-War Right. Uh, it was by Joel Mathis uh, and, the, and the particular um, uh, someone had an excerpt shared from there about like, uh, basically about the rights embrace of, of again, uh, this anti-war rhetoric in particular, but how it's probably based in more, in, there was this particular line says how much of the right, although after all sees Putin as one of the world's leading defenders of Christendom, which is true, right? In terms of a lot of people on the right do see, uh, Putin as, as kind of holding on to this last, um, uh, what's the word? Like again, str- like one of the last stronghold- strongholds of of, uh, of Christendom that's written here, and I thought that was really interesting. But to my point, what I was making earlier is that I think the idea is that um, you know American military might, which is again something you see someone like Tucker Carlson talk about the way that our military and our influence and all of that has been weakened when it hasn't, right? American militarism has not been weakened despite the fact that we do actually hear this refrain quite often. Um, and so the idea is like, well. You know, we have a great we we had a great military history where we used to fight for wars which were quote unquote good, and now we are just kind of spread all over the place, and we are increasing American uh, 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 the enemies of America. And what we need to be doing is keeping our eye on our greatest enemy, which is China. And again, like I recently had a video drop on this on how like the you know the media critique on looking at how the the threat of China has been really really created over 100 years in the United States, and especially in the last 10 to 15 years, how that's been been really exacerbated. And and so Carlson and others and, and his ilk are more interested in this kind of direct military confrontation with China and having a multi-front kind of confrontation with other countries, whether it's Syria, whether it's, a, you know, well, no longer Afghanistan, um, but like, or if it's Russia, whatever, it takes away from what they believe is still the primary fight, which should be against uh, China. Right. And you're going to find that again and again with a lot of these right wingers where they talk a lot about China, which, funnily enough, they find in common with their liberal counterparts. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, it's because they are ending up at the same place just for for a different reason. And uh, again, I mean, I, I I hate to bring it back to them again, but this is basically like the Ron Paul idea, which is, you know, you, you don't want to go to another country and create more enemies for yourself. And, and again, it's like, yes, that's, I, that is totally reasonable until uh, you start to interrogate, like why they feel that way, like why it is that they feel so strongly uh, about that. So, um, well, there's that too. I'm going to bring in Sorry, yeah. just really quickly. There's that too. And then there's also, no, absolutely. also how it ties into a lot of their anti-immigration, anti-refugee rhetoric. Right. So like 
oh, you know, of course, like if we bomb Syria, it's going to create, you know, uh, not only these quote unquote, like, because that's the other thing. One of my biggest frustrations with this conversation also on like blowback, right, is that not, not the podcast, like just specifically the, the entire idea of blowback is this like, oh, well, of course, if we bomb them, then these savage people, the only way they can ever respond is for all of them to become threats to us, right? There's this really uncomfortable through like, you know, under um, what's the word, like subtext there, which real, which has always made me really uncomfortable. But, um, you know, going back to my original point is that, oh, look, these people, they're going to become, you know, are, and they're going to hate America and then they're going to come after us, et cetera. And then that, that fear mongering ties directly into positions that, for instance, individuals such as, and not limited to, uh, Tucker Carlson have on immigration, which is that we need to protect our borders because we don't know who's coming into our country. Refugees, have we properly vetted them? So on and so forth. So all these things really, um, you know, end up uh, coming together. And I think it's really important for everyone, especially on the left, right, to be able to see how that anti-war rhetoric, uh, quote unquote, anti-war rhetoric, which is really, I would say, just different war rhetoric, right? It's still, it's, I think it's still very much so pro-war, but just a, a different war, maybe not this particular one, how that directly links itself into the anti-immigrant um, and anti-refugee positions of, of people such as, and not limited to, uh, Tucker. Absolutely. Um, thank you for that. So going to bring in Nikki now, uh, who is a Tucker Carlson expert. Um, she is a associate research director at media matters for America and um, has been having her brain broken by Tucker Carlson for, for quite some time now. Um, and I thought she'd be the perfect person to bring on to, uh, to talk to us. So Nikki, thank you so much for joining us. Hi Owen. Hi Slana. Thank you so much for having me. Cool. So yeah, so I was just kind of like curious as, as to what you think about our conversation here so far and, and how that kind of, lines up with your observations of of, of of not only Carlson himself, but I think also, you know, Fox News and the conservative media uh, infrastructure in general. Yeah, absolutely. I think Sana did a fantastic job kind of laying out where Tucker Carlson is within this space. I completely agree. He is anti-war with Russia, which I think plenty of people are. I would argue that being anti-war with Russia is these days a relatively easy position to justify. The notion of going to war is not popular in the United States right now. And it's not as subversive of a stance, in my opinion, as Tucker's alkalites are making it out to be. I completely agree that he is honed in and focused on a single front confrontation with China. I think most of Fox News is in that headspace at the moment. And I think the way the place where you see it most clearly is how they discuss what the function of the military should be, particularly the notion of inclusion and accommodation for different groups and minorities within the military. I think Tucker's comments that he's made in the past about how there is currently a purge of strong alpha male types from the military that is hindering our ability to be ready for a hot war really indicates that he is not anti-war he is anti-conflict, which he sees as non-productive. And I think there are certain conflicts which he would see as productive and is fully on board of the notion of using American military power for an imperial project, so long as it's within the bounds of what he deems correct. Um, I think, you know, if Tucker was anti-war, a guest, Jesse Kelly, who said that the military should be populated by men who want to sit on thrones of Chinese skulls, 
would have been banned from the show or would have been at least been told that that was ridiculous and that didn't happen. Instead, he's lauding those kinds of people as intelligent, critical thinkers who should have a place in the conservative security security policy discussion. And what it is, is I think fundamentally the notion or sorry, his conversation about Russia in particular creates a smokescreen where he can kind of use that label of anti-war, anti-war with Russia, anti-quote-unquote pointless war to cover for this war hawking with China, to distract from his very real endorsement of militarization of the border, which I think Sana touched on briefly. He is very, very pro turning the power of the state inward toward like the citizens of the United States and toward the border under the cover of border security. It's not that Tucker wants to dismantle the military. I think one of his, I I watch Fox News way too much, but one of his kind of semi-frequent guests is actually Eric Prince. And Tucker has had multiple conversations with Prince about how the military should still be like working with mercenaries such as Blackwater, should still be looking into privatizing conflict abroad. Uh, I think he talks a lot about you know, kind of the the military incorporated, how there's contractors who stand to make a lot of money. But he has very very regularly elevated those contractors as a solution to conflict abroad. Um, But yeah, that's, I think the space that he occupies is one where he is trying to shift the focus, as Sana said, to a single front confrontation. I think the media is still largely populated by the people who pushed for the war in the Middle East. And Tucker was absolutely one of those people. And he has not completely divorced himself from that mentality. And to say that he has is disingenuous. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, let's not forget, this is the guy who referred to uh, Iraqis as uh, and quote, semi-literate primitive monkeys, close quote, uh, who quote, uh, who need to uh, quote, uh, shut the fuck up and obey. Uh, close quote, the the U.S. occupation. I mean, you know, it's, I find the, I, I, I find the uh, perception of, of Carlson that's uh, promoted by, by certain figures as this kind of like, you know, independent voice who's, who's, you know, just interested in, in, in peace for, for right-wing reasons, but he is anti-war to, to just not really have a lot of purchase for me. Uh, for for a lot of the reasons that you that you brought up there, uh, Nikki, and I just while we have you, I also wanted to just kind of ask what you think about the way that he like he not only talks about like militarism, but also talks quite a bit about how people should really. Uh, I, I think it was Anna's Freedom said something to the effect of you know people shouldn't criticize the U.S at all. And, uh, and Carlson was like, yes, I, you know, I completely agree with that. Uh, and I, and I just thought that that was interesting. You know, if we're going to try and portray him as some sort of independent voice where people can just go on and, and, and talk to this audience, I mean, he's, he's making very clear where the lines are and what you can and can't say. Um, and I was just kind of curious what, what your take. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think Tucker, very famously had an interaction with, I'm blanking on the guest name, but, um, well, now that he's claiming to be very anti-war with Russia, I can find the clip and um, slack it to you. 
But he basically said, like, why shouldn't I be pro-Russia in this conflict? Like, why should I give a crap if, like, Ukraine, why shouldn't I be rooting for Russia? And I think where I'm here, I think where Tucker is kind of, in a little ways, deceiving his audience is that he doesn't see the, the issue he sees with the military is that it is not primed enough for violence. Tucker is not the type of person who takes critique of American military action abroad very well, particularly when it talks to when you want to talk about accountability for people who've committed war crimes. Uh, Fox has very publicly lobbied for the pardoning of convicted war criminals on multiple occasions. Uh, he sees the biggest issue, the two biggest issues with the military is what he sees as these pointless wars, which at this point, in my opinion, it's a very easily identifiable fact, identifiable fact that the United States has a terrible track record intervening abroad. And what he sees as kind of the wokeification of the military, the abandoning of ready, abandonment of readiness um, in favor of a more kind of progressive, as progressive as the military can be, which is kind of an, an oxymoron, as in favor of a more progressive, quote unquote, military structure. And that's where I think he's kind of situated himself. I think he's also using the, this kind of turn in his own rhetoric about, rhetoric about conflict abroad as a cover for the like anti-leftist, anti-identity politics, anti-inclusionary rhetoric, which I don't think you'll catch much of the left defending the way the American military is run. But it, it is, it's a very nice space that he can exist in because the left won't defend military action in a lot of instances. And it gives him a nice cover to attack the things that leftists and progressives typically will defend. Uh, and I think occupying that space for him is very comfortable because he will get praised when he says military conflict is bad. And any kind of critique of him and of the way he's talking about armed conflict can easily easily be turned around on the person making the critique to say, well, oh, well, then why are you pro-war? Or why are you defending conflict abroad? Or why are you defending the military? And I think he's he's situated himself very nicely there. And I think he's he's going to be comfortable there for a while. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so I, I think so we're going to move on now to, to CNN and MSNBC. Thank you, Nikki. I think that was really that was really uh, a, a good breakdown of that. Uh, Sana, do you do you want to reply to that or comment on that before before we move over? Yeah, absolutely. I just want to say, Nikki, my condolences for the fact that you have to watch um, Fox News uh, for a living. Uh, braver than the Marines. Thank you for your service. Thank you. Thank you. Anytime. Cool. So um, I think that, uh, like I was saying in in the intro here, in, in, in the lead up, uh, part of the reason that there's been such an opportunity for Carlson to kind of make these inroads is that there, there seems to have been an, an editorial decision on the part of the people at the top of CNN and MSNBC to kind of just lean all the way into state power and, and state authority. And this obviously isn't very new. Um, MSNBC has not even been like a quote unquote, like liberal channel for that long. They used to have Michael Savage, if you're not familiar with him, look him up. It, he's it's a whole thing, but uh, you know they used to have Michael Savage as as one of their hosts. I mean, they decided to go 
the center left ish, uh, I, I think around the same time that maybe around 2006, 2007. I mean, Tucker used to be on MSNBC as well as CNN. But uh, again, like I said before, since since the Obama years and especially since Trump kind of became president, obviously, with all of the insanity that came from that, uh, there has been this kind of worship of state power and state authority from CNN and MSNBC, from their hosts, uh, from the people who they have contracts with to comment, uh, you know, the messaging department of, of both networks uh, really embraces these state narratives from, you know, FBI, CIA kind of stuff. It's not like a conspiracy. I mean, it's just like the people that they have come on, the people who uh, they offer these contracts to are people who have been in those worlds. So they have a lot of uh, influence on how CNN and MSNBC present the news because these are the people who they go to for comment. Anyway, I'm getting a little bit off track here, but I'm wondering, Sina, like what you think about that, what what you think about the idea that there is this space being opened up for somebody like Carlson or or, or really a, a lot of people on the right to kind of make inroads to uh, people of, of progressive and, and, and left leaning who, you know, uh, are, are opposed to war, are opposed to militarism, are opposed to um, kind of more state narratives they want to find a more alternative voice and when they when they turn on cable news uh the one person who appears to be presenting this stuff is tucker carlson and and i'm just curious what you think about that and if you think that's an accurate read and uh what you would add to it either way yeah i think it's a really good question it's one i'm really torn on because um first of all like absolutely um you know even even the Cable news networks that are kind of considered, quote unquote, liberal, whatever that means for media corporations to like lean in any political direction. Um, But, you know, for like CNN, MSNBC, of course, so many of their analysts who come on to be like, let's talk about what Russia is doing or what, you know, so and so is doing or China is doing. So many of them are either like, as you mentioned, right, like they're former, um, you know, uh, members of the military, high ranking members of the military. They're people who are maybe simultaneously or previously like board members of, uh, you know, Raytheon or Lockheed Martin, et cetera. Like those relationships are very obviously there or they're, you know, uh, it's a revolving door in D.C. as well. Right. Like uh, so they could also be people who are involved in previous or current governments and whatnot. And 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 the interest there is always in really pushing the the American militarism um, and supporting whatever it is that DC is doing more or less. Um, So I do think like for sure that is very alienating if you are someone who is on the left and you're watching or, you know, or coming across CNN, MSNBC, et cetera, whatever, ABC News, whatever, and you're not seeing at all an an anti-war perspective being presented, it is very frustrating. And I'm sure there are, there are quite a few. We know that there are a few people who absolutely maybe find that in, in a show like um, like Tucker, Carlson, uh, Tucker Carlson's show uh, or on Fox News or something of that sort. Uh, or even, I mean, if you want to go even lower than cable news network, I mean, there are people who, for instance... Um, really who who I personally know who are ideologically extremely left um and found themselves like in the 
what's the word, chokehold of someone like Jimmy Dore, who very much so is not a leftist, right? And that's a whole other conversation. Um, but there are certain things that they find attractive about these people because they're like, oh, well, this person is saying something that I don't hear being said on, you know, CNN or MSNBC, et cetera. So I do agree that there is a level of that. But I also want to say, and I want to ask maybe, and I don't know the answer to this, or maybe I do, and I don't want to say it, but, you know, what is also the demographic of the people who are like, okay, with someone like Tucker Carlson, right? Because when I look at, you know, my groups of friends or people that I'm acquainted with who uh, identify on the left, who are very anti-war, um, and they come from various backgrounds, immigrant backgrounds, you know, class backgrounds as well, et cetera, like, they're not like, oh, yeah, Tucker Carlson makes some great points. And I think that's another thing that really needs to be um, kind of dissected in this entire conversation is who is comfortable with listening to and kind of pushing forward the, the rhetoric of someone like Tucker Carlson who doesn't see him for the threat that he actually is. Um, you know, and that goes for like all these other individuals and people are completely fine. People, certain people on the left are completely fine with, you know, not just platforming them, but really just pushing their talking points out there. Um, and, and, and that is something that I think we are, we, we've been kind of ambivalent to really, um, not in this conversation, I mean, but just in general, like uh, ambivalent to really address head on that there is also a, a real divide along race lines when it comes to, um, uh, uh, like specifically looking at who's anti-war in the media, right? Um, and and who's attracted to to someone like and, and going on the going on to um, Tucker Carlson's show or listening to him and dispersing his kind of uh, talking points, so on and so forth. And for me, that was kind of a rude awakening, not gonna lie. Uh, during like the last five years, when people I really respected, who I thought were kind of sound leftists all of a sudden, you know, telling me like, oh, yeah, da, da, da. I think Tulsi Gabbard's great. And then, you know, confronting them with I'm like, well, what about Gabbard's like very clear anti-Muslim, you know, bigoted views and her relationship with, for instance, like uh, Hindutva uh, ideology and with the BJP in India, et cetera. And they're, you know, I'm kind of and being called a Hindu phobe by some like white male leftist. Right. Like, I think that's the stuff that also needs to be really brought up um, is that it's not just like elements of the left um, who are interested in maybe what Tucker Carlson is saying, but it's very specific elements of the left who don't see Tucker Carlson uh, necessarily in the way that maybe other elements of the left are seeing him who are coming from these communities that are being directly uh, demonized by Carlson and his ilk. Yeah. So I think, I think just to jump off of that, which I, I agree with you, obviously we've both been in the uh, Tulsi Gabbard war trenches together. Um, that you know there there is a philosophy um that you know the the bernie campaign did this um uh, a lot of people on the left say this uh, and and i'm not endorsing or criticizing it here but but there is this idea that you know if if you just are able to present the arguments for leftism to people on the right you'll end up picking up like quite a few of them right and I think that the part of that, like there's a flip side to that, which is that it goes the other way too. So there are like people who are on the left who are going to be, who, who, who maybe are more sympathetic to Carlson for, you know, any of the reasons that, 
you know, uh, you're mentioning or implying or, or, or that we're just kind of sidestepping here a little bit right now. But <clears throat> there are like people who are already kind of sympathetic to that point of view. And for them to kind of make the jump over from the left to the kind of right wing that 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 uh, Carlson or Gabbard or these kind of like lesser media figures like Dorr or or whoever um, are are kind of presenting that that they then uh, are kind of like gettable for for the right, and that is, I think, kind of one of the one of the reasons and kind of one of the reasons that there is a debate over even going on Fox or going on Carlson's show is because you are implicitly kind of reverse platforming almost like you're saying like, this is actually legitimate platform for me to go on. Like, and I know that there's like a huge debate about that and there's a huge argument back and forth about that. And, and we're not really, I, I think we're not really trying to get into that here, but it is true that, by kind of grabbing on to these anti-war uh, phrases and arguments. Um, and, and also, I think it was really interesting as well, like what, what, what Nikki was saying that, you know, Carlson taking a, an anti-war with Russia over a Ukraine position is not exactly uh, some, some huge uh, position that he's taking, like that, that most other people aren't taking like, like uh, that, that's, that's a pretty mainstream position at this point. I, I, I doubt that there's really much appetite for a war with Russia, considering that could easily mean a nuclear war. I mean, I, I haven't really outside of, you know, maybe like the pages of like opinion pages of, of, uh, of, of large newspapers. And, and of course, yeah, like, like we're talking about, like, you know, some people on CNN and MSNBC are basically saying that that's what they want. But as far as like people in the country, there's just not really a huge appetite for it. Um, but what do you think about that kind of like idea of reverse uh, radicalization where where people on the right are are able to kind of grab people from the left in the same way that uh, theoretically you could do it? Uh, the- so, I mean, this is something like I, I have not seen any particular data on this, so it's really hard to come to uh, a strong position of my own on this based purely on like, you know, something uh, empirical, but based even just on what I see and how I understand things. And as someone who works in the media sphere as well, I have a very hard time um, kind of latching onto that argument about kind of the reverse radicalization that, oh, if you go on to Tucker Carlson show or whatever, and you present an opposing perspective or one that's a bit more, you know, uh, imbued in a leftist critique and foundation, et cetera, that you'll be able to win over people um, who are watching Tucker Carlson on a daily basis, on a nightly basis. I don't really buy that. And primarily because if you also look at a lot of the people who've gone on these shows, right, if you actually watch what they're saying, they're not challenging um, Carlson, right? They're not for, and that's, again, this is just one example. We're focused on Carlson here, but there's so many others, but they're not challenging what Carlson is saying. They're not actually getting to the root of, um, you know, the, the very right-wing positions that he holds that are extremely also violent in nature. Um, instead they're actually agreeing with the things that they're saying. So for instance, going on and talking about like, you know, let's say, 
I'm trying to think of something off the top of my head, uh, an episode. I try to usually erase everything that I've watched from Fox News from my, you know, memory. But, um, you know, going on as, as an example, like going on, let's say like, oh, yeah, I agree with you. We shouldn't be going to war on Russia. And you're not really disagreeing with Tucker Carlson on that. Right. You're actually upholding what he's also saying. And on top of that, I think it, it is legit, legitimizing his particular uh, platform as well. And, and I and I don't know, I just don't really. I don't really buy the argument that like we can convert all these people, et cetera, especially when you're not actually giving any of the tools that are necessary for any kind of political conversion or any kind of political literacy, right? Like in order to actually, when you look at like, I'll give myself an example, right? My politics today are 180, like 180 from like what they were even four or five years ago from what they were 10 years ago. Right. And that was a lot of, because I was given through people that I was meeting through, through journalists that I respect, et cetera, certain uh, political tools and, and, and to and media tools, even to understand what it was that I was consuming, to understand narratives that were being created before my eyes, like all of these type of things. When you're, when you're giving someone the tools to actually like, break down what it is that they believe or don't believe, then you can have a better conversation, I think, about that question of uh, political conversion. But if you're just going on and talking about like, yeah, I agree with you on this, or yeah, I think it's a really good point. You know what the liberals get wrong? They get this wrong, except like you're not converting anybody. If anything, what you are doing is benefit. Someone like Carlson benefits from that, right? Because anyone who's in the business of media or uh, content construction, right, or content creation, right? Whether you're on TikTok or whether you're, you know, a, a, a cable news pundit, um, talk show host, whatever, uh, you're thinking about two things constantly. One, how do I keep my my audience like with me and loyal? And two, how do I expand my audience? And so someone like, exam, for example, right, Glenn Greenwald going on to Tucker Carlson or anyone else who's on Katie Halper, et cetera, others who've gone on to Tucker Carlson show, you know, they may be going with one particular intention, but it's ultimately also benefiting Carlson's own audience because now he's become a legitimate platform and person to um, to 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 listen to, to understand um, for for people who may be following someone like Glenn Greenwald because of his you know past anti-war perspectives or whatever, right? Um, and to me, that's really dangerous territory. Like, I think it's like you just have to be. There has to be strategy in what you're doing. And I don't see strategy in any of this kind of like approach to, quote unquote, political conversion. I don't think political conversion is a strategy. Um, I think that's just something that people use to justify going on a media show that'll actually have them. It's a question of utility. Absolutely. Right. And, and I also want to say that if, if anybody wants to uh, join in, just just jump in the call queue and, and, and we'll take you. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think it is a question of utility. And it's a question of. You know, is this the right thing to do? Is this the smart way to reach these audiences? Uh, and I, I think it's questionable. I, I think you know there is definitely a difference between what um, what someone like Bernie Sanders did doing a town hall uh, on Fox, which you know, like I'll admit, like I was not crazy about that at the time. I but. You know, like that's just my opinion, but I, I didn't think it was a great idea. But but he did it with uh, Brett Baer and I think Martha McCallum, who at least are like you know somewhat credible journalists, uh, even if they you know are obviously ideologically quite far to the right. But they at least it was like a town hall setting. He wasn't going on Tucker. He wasn't going on Hannity. He wasn't going on Ingram. Uh, I don't even know who they have. Like Waters, I guess they have now. Like a- anyway. Uh, 
you know, he, he was going on a specific news channel uh, to reach the audience that would be listening to it, uh, or at least a lot of them would be listening to it as if it was an actual news show, not, not, a, not a pundit show. And so I think that that's an important distinction um, to make there in that, like, you know, you could have a blanket, don't go on Fox rule. Um, and whether or not that's realistic at this point or not, um, I, like I could understand that as, as a rule, but, um, I, I think it should be relatively easy to say that, uh, going on a, one of these pundit shows, one of these right-wing opinion shows, uh, that's, that, that seems pretty easy to me to say that, like that, that can be a line. If, if there's a guy like Tucker Carlson, who's saying the stuff that he's saying, if there's a guy like Hannity, who's uh, saying whatever incoherent nonsense he's saying, or, I mean, Ingram and Carlson specifically uh, to me are probably the worst ones because they just, they it's, it's barely veiled like white nationalist talking points a lot of time with them. But what you are doing, uh, like you're saying is you are legitimizing them and, and you are helping them with their platform. And I've seen the counter argument made that, um, that, you know, millions and millions of people listen to Carlson and, and tune into Carlson's show. And so there's just no way that, um, you know, so, some independent left-wing journalists are going to present kind of an alternative to the amount of legitimization that they already, that he already naturally has. Uh, but I think that you're right. I think that it, it does show to his audience, someone in his audience who might be kind of like reconsidering what Carlson is saying, uh, if they see some left-wing journalists go on there, if they see somebody uh, with the prestige and stuff that, um, that Greenwald has, they then, it, it does make Carlson to seem like a kind of a more respectable figure, like a more, a more legitimate journalist. And, and I think that, I think you're right. I think the utility at that point is just not really there. Yeah. And, and I do want to also mention, like, I'm not saying, um, you know, I understand, I also, it's important, right, to differentiate between someone who's a politician and someone who is um, a media commentator or a journalist, right? And so whether it's Biden, whether it's Bernie, whether it's, you know, whoever does like, hey, I'm going to do a town hall on Fox News, right? It's like, there is at least like, I can understand as a, an adult, like, okay, I get it. Like you're trying to do, um, you're trying to get some people on your side regarding particular policies, et cetera. Uh, I'm more interested in, I think, when it's a politician who is, let's say, a Democrat or independent, whatever, who goes on to Fox News to do a town hall. So in the case of like Bernie Sanders, right? And Sanders did a lot of things that I didn't necessarily agree with also um, in terms of his strategy. But I'm looking more at what the content is at that point, right? Like, are you upholding kind of the ideas of Fox News? Are you challenging some of those? Are you challenging the kind of th the maybe beliefs that, you know, maybe assumed to be have of some uh, portion of uh, Fox News viewers, et cetera, right? Like, but that to me is different than like, like, as you mentioned, going on to shows like Carlson or Ingram, et cetera, which, um, I mean, I don't, like, again, I just, it, it is a question of utility and I don't think it, it, it is at all of any use to actually go on those shows, except in a very personal capacity. There is utility in that, right? So if I'm going on Carlson show or Ingram show, what's that doing for my personal quote unquote brand, my audience? The benefit is more, I think, in that versus anything 
uh, quote unquote, ideological or anything of that sort. Um, I don't think you're going to go on, again on Carlson Shore, Ingram Show, and all of a sudden, like, even with 10 appearances on there, you're not going to walk away people being like, hey, yeah, I think like universal healthcare is a fantastic idea. Right. And I would also say that, like, you know, a hypothetical counter argument would be, well, uh, you know, would you go on Nicole Wallace's show or something like that? And the answer is, uh, well, probably not for like the same reason, you know, like this is this is the same thing. It's it's not really like a gotcha, I don't think, uh, to bring up the fact that horrible people are on different networks. Uh, you know, it, 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 like. You, you cannot like more than one person. It's, it's yeah. very possible. It's, it's very possible to extremely dislike to the point of as much as you can hate a network to actually like hate all three of the big cable news networks and to think that they're all awful. That, that's not really like difficult to do. Um, I, I do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I do, I, I do kind of want to ask you though, talking just to kind of bring it back again, just to, you know, CNN and MSNBC and, and, you know, New York times and, and these, these mainstream uh, news outlets, like, do you think that there's any chance that this kind of trend that we're seeing reverses itself where, uh, where somebody like Carlson doesn't have the ability to be opportunistic about that because the, the door just isn't open because, you know, somebody, on one of these other networks has has that kind of independent view and that independent voice? Uh, or do you think that we're just kind of looking at uh, just probably like the last five years just repeated over and over again uh, ad nauseum? That's a really good question. Um, and I actually would also would love to hear from, if there's anyone in the audience who again wants to call in, I'd love to hear from other people about this as well. Um, but I mean, I think, I think like when it comes to Carlson, like I, I, I think he's, I'm trying to think of how I want to articulate my thoughts around this because I have a few, but I think it's, it's, I don't see him stopping anytime soon because I don't think it's simply him, um, you know, grifting alone, right? Or he's like, oh, I'm going to use these, these anti-war talking points because of, you know, it's an opportunity. Except I don't think that's, the only or even the primary um, driver of, 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 of Carlson, I'm going to say Tucker because we're on a first name basis, uh, of, of Carlson's, um, uh, you know, like the kind of rhetoric that he puts out, his shows and framing and everything. I mean, I think like per what I was saying earlier, I think that Carlson is very much so very particular, has a very particular type of ideology, a particular type of right wing ideology, which is what comes out. And um, I don't think the language that he's using is necessarily all that new either. Um, I think it's a lot of language that we've seen used before, uh, not just on the left, but even on like, again, with people who would be classically liberal or conservative um, using that kind of language. So I don't know. I don't I don't see him changing at all on this front whatsoever. Um, maybe fine tuning his words here and there. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a good question. And I probably need to think about it a bit more because I think it's a tough one. Absolutely. Uh, so we have we have two callers, Nikki. I'm just going to leapfrog over you and and just grab Jonathan here, and then after that we'll we'll, we'll come back to you. Um, so John, you should be Jonathan. John, I, whichever you prefer, but you should be good now. Can't hear me. Oh, now you can hear me. Can you hear me? 
I can, I can. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Um, first, first time, congrats first on the book. Listener. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I was going to make a joke, but it wasn't a good joke. I was just going to say first time listener, first time caller. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah. So speaking, speaking of the book, I mean, this is pretty, I think, you know, obvious, I, you know, I, I have a, a new book out about um, Smedley Butler and American imperialism. And uh, it shouldn't probably be news that, you know, this very much puts me in mind of the 1930s um, and the anti-war movement that, that Butler was was part of and the anti-war movements that he wasn't part of. Um, and, you know, the, uh, you know, as, as uh, Asana just said, like, like Carlson is part of an old tradition in American life. Uh, he's a, you know, a right-wing fascist demagogue um, and we've had those before, and they've been very active in anti-war movements before, especially especially in the 1930s. And so, you know, he's very much in the tradition of, you know, Father Coughlin, the the the, the radio priest who was a, a big anti-Semite and and uh, Nazi sympathizer, uh, you know, Charles Lindbergh uh, and, and the original America First Committee, and those guys, you know, they they didn't want. A lot of people didn't want uh, a second world war and a lot of people didn't want the United States to participate in the second world war um, for a lot of good reasons and some bad reasons. So, so some of them were people like that who they didn't mind war necessarily. They just didn't want war against Nazi Germany. And, and uh, Butler, uh, who was a, you know, a highly decorated Marine and who became an anti-war and anti-imperialist activist, basically didn't give those guys the time of day and he didn't, he didn't ally with them and he didn't, uh, you know, appear at events with them. Um, he, have, he appeared at, at events, you know, sponsored by uh, the communist party, even though he wasn't a communist, but it was because he, he thought that, you know, he, he just, he just, he knew that fascists were dangerous and he knew that fascism was a threat at home and he didn't trust people like that for good reason. Uh, you know, because he he saw he saw what what their end game was, and I think yeah, it's, it's, it, yeah. he he chose who to associate with. I think is is yeah, exactly, and that's fine. I mean, I, like, and I think that I think I think Carlson's end game, we've we've all been talking about it here, uh, but it's it, it's very clear. Like he he loves war, and he loves war against people that he sees as subhuman or less than human than than white people. And he eventually wants war with China and uh, he doesn't want war with Russia because he thinks that Putin is great and that authoritarian white nationalism is terrific. And that's what he wants. And so if you ally with that, you 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 strengthen those arguments um, and then you have to deal with the consequences. So I do not think it's a good idea to go and talk across the show. For, for any leftist or anybody who anybody who wants uh, anybody who's anti-war for any reason other than uh, they want, you know, ru- uh, a, a strong white Russia and a strong white America to ally against the, the colored peoples of the world. Yeah. So, uh, Sonny, you want to reply? Yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful that you just said everything that you said, because I think you put it extremely like I'm really glad you put also in that very specific historical context, because I think one of the most frustrating things to see again and again is this idea that comes from people who 
are, you know, may position themselves or may be positioned by others as being part of the left, uh, saying like, no, we need to have this bigger tent. We need to bring it. It's like, do we do we really need to bring in the fascists? Like, is that really a strategy to fight fascism is to bring in the fascists into this tent that you speak of? Um, and I'm really glad you brought in like exactly what was happening in the 1930s in the United States. Uh, you know, it, this isn't something new. Um, but it is very frustrating to be told, like, as I, as I was saying, like, again and again, that um, this is the strategy, this is a good strategy, or this is even a strategy versus that this is actually how you actually splinter an anti-fascist movement or anti-fascist politics. It's actually how you destroy it. Um, because the one thing that, like, what, well, the, one of the few things that, like, you know, fascists are very good at is, you know, really co-opting movements, using that language and taking people who um, may be easy to kind of gain sympathy with, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, I agree with everything that you said. I'm really glad that you put it in that very specific historical context because it seems like this con- all, everything that happens, we always think it's brand new somehow, and it's not. It's very much so always history uh, and ideological movements, et cetera, repeating themselves. And that is especially also the case in- yeah, Father Coughlin is a good is yeah. is a good reference too. I mean, he's he's obviously been used. Uh, I, I remember you know people used to rightly uh, compare Bill O'Reilly to him as well. Uh, but I think that I mean, there, like, but there's a reason. There's a reason that that comparison works for both. Uh, you know, it's it's, it's not because um, there was something so unique about about Father Coughlin so much as uh, there was just a. Uh, uh, what he's been saying has 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 been said by other people uh, since then. Uh, Jonathan, did you did you want to comment one more time before we go to Nikki, or should we just jump? Uh, jump? No, the the only thing I would add to that is just that in addition to to threatening to splinter an anti fascist movement, it also threatens to splinter the anti war movement. I mean, you've got um, you know Michael McFaul uh, and you know who's was he contributor on MSNBC or CNN or uh, the MSNBC or for sure. Yeah, the former the former U.S. ambassador to Russia. Um, you know, I've seen him uh, on Twitter uh, and and others. You know, it's a very small war caucus, but very influential one. And and you know, they. I mean, as as always happens whenever there's an anti-war movement, they want to paint anybody who uh, is is not sort of you know the maximal acceptable level of militarist um, at any given moment uh, as you know being a tool of. Uh, whatever, you know, the, the enemy du jour is. And, uh, you know, but I think that I think that Carlson, I don't think that Carlson is necessarily working for Putin, but he is he is he, he it is because he he he, I think, you know, sees Russia um, as a as, you know, again, a white a white nationalist, uh, you know, traditionalist, masculine, whatever ally. Um, and and by and by by aligning yourself in any way with people who who, who think that way, um, you you feed directly into uh, the, you know the the, the pro war cant that anybody who's against you know arming uh, Ukraine or crippling Russia with with uh, debilitating sanctions that will probably end up leading to a shooting war um, or whatever as being you know pro Russia. Um, and the problem is that w- once you once you do that, you've then discredited your own argument that no, that isn't true. As you as you as you were saying about MSNBC, CNN, and Fox, you can also say that both American imperialism and Russian imperialism are bad at the same time. Neither neither Moscow nor nor uh, Washington, to use the the slogan of the old Fourth International. But like um, 
but then you've you've then discredited yourself, but you haven't done anything to to Tucker because that camp is still strong. That that camp still has uh, the 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 financial and and uh, and 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 the broadcast muscle behind it um, to to keep going as it was before. So you've just basically taken yourself out of the game um, as 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 an alternative voice, and that's. That's bad if your goal is to, to you know, form a strong movement to prevent another world war, um, as well as a, a movement to, to prevent, a, a, you know, a fascist movement or a fascist takeover in the United States. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think that it, it does act to delegitimize uh, de uh, the anti-war movement. I would also say that um, if, if anybody's, like, interested to kind of get a uh get a kind of a sense of of what these sanctions uh or or war or any like if you're looking at the situation in ukraine right now uh and and you're you're interested in what ukrainians are probably going through and you want to kind of get like you know maybe maybe kind of a, a western perspective on that or, or american perspective on that I, I really have to recommend my friend jack crosby uh, who spent some time there in uh, the mid 2010s, and he he has a piece in Rolling Stone where he just basically talks about like you know no matter what happens you know these are the people and this is what it's going to be like and I really I I really really have to recommend that I think it's a really really great um, essay and and really great reporting there and so uh, we're gonna take Nikki and then I think after that um, we'll just have a, a a quick little wrap and then I think um, gonna have to call it because it's. We're, we're a little over an hour, which is totally fine, but um, uh, usually try and wrap around 6 p.m. Uh, Eastern. So, Nikki, uh, going to take you right there, and you're good to go. There we go. All right. No, I just wanted to, like, insert a little quick comment about what it looks like when a leftist or progressive comes onto Fox News. And I think the best example was Bernie with the town halls, and I think he did a couple, like, on and off appearances, but... Fox News oftentimes will follow up appearances of that nature with a week or two of kind of cherry picked comments where they can reiterate their stance of socialism is bad, progressive is bad. Look at what these people are proposing. Like, look at what this would do to healthcare. This would completely destroy the economy. The usual line. I think an important consideration for anyone considering going on a cable news network is how is the network going to treat this content? when I am off the air and unable to respond. And I think to kind of circle back to Tucker, Tucker doesn't typically argue with people who he thinks he can't win against. And he doesn't argue in good faith. Um, I will take a moment here to plug my favorite disastrous Tucker interview of all time, which was Rutger Breckman, the economist who went on Tucker's show about a month after the Davos summit in, oof, I'm going to blank on the year. I think in 2019, the two, after the 2019 Davos summit, where at Davos, Bregman, Bregman criticized all the attendees. He was interviewed by Tucker, and he very directly called Tucker out on being a millionaire who was hypocritical, hypocritical about his class consciousness or his proposed class consciousness. Tucker freaked out at him and refused to air the interview, and the interview eventually got leaked. Um, and that's kind of the situation. Like, unless you're going on Tucker's show to call him out, where there is a high likelihood that unless you're alive, he simply won't interview or won't air the interview. He's not going to approach an interaction 
with a leftist or a progressive that he thinks potentially could disagree with him on fundamental points within the argument in any way, shape, or form of good faith. He actually has a segment on Fox Nation, which is Fox's streaming platform. He has an entire playlist of in, like um, like highlighted interviews, which are just interviews of progressives and leftists that, in his mind, he has dunked on. It's just like a nice little playlist of his favorite interviews. And I just wanted to say that, that if you're going on Fox News, no matter what your position, you have to be prepared to let go of whatever point you came to make and let Fox do what they will with it. And oftentimes, in the long run, the gains will be marginal because Fox News will oftentimes just use that footage as something they can go back to and attack repeatedly over time. That's a really that's a really good point. I think that it you know it's interesting that um I like the way that you presented that because it's kind of like if you're going to weigh the utility of doing this like yeah, you can weigh the utility of doing this, but you do have to remember this point. And I think that that's I think that's important and also I mean Fox has been doing that for forever. For forever. I mean like they uh the amount of dishonest uh, i mean they, they they called like uh who was it was it like mark foley the republican congressman back in the day who, who, who they like mislabeled as democrat uh once like this uh sexual misconduct allegation like just like one thing after another yeah. um yeah so i i think that's definitely something to be thought of um and and definitely does need to be weighed with with the utility um uh, so i'm gonna uh turn over to sides to, to respond to that. But then um, I, I think we're going to wrap then uh, unless anybody wants to join otherwise, but um, yeah, uh, Sana, go. I just want to say that I think it's, I mean, what Nikki said was spot on, right? It's like that these, you know, uh, appearances on these shows and this kind of um, this argument of like, we're going to convert them or whatever, um, need to be looked at in the whole package, right? And so if you're looking at the entire network, what is that, you know, what, what are they doing? What is the overall message? And, you know, if, if you're, if you're going on the, on these shows with this, like, intention of like, we're going to deprogram the right to like, accept these leftist positions on whatever position, you know, whatever, uh, social or political economic issue. Um, I mean, if you're that interested in deprogramming, it's looking at, well, look at the entire programming and what that looks like and how it's being reiterated night after night, show after show. And then also like, you know, per Nikki's point, um, you know, the weaponization of, of like your appearance on this type of a show, uh, how, like, how will it be used in the future as well? So whether it's playlists, whether it's actually then kind of using the arguments that you're making to directly like dunk on those arguments, whatever. Um, so even, I mean, yeah, I think Nikki said it brilliantly that like, even if there are any gains, they're going to be so small in comparison to what, what the, what the network such as Fox News is going to ultimately gain for itself. And I'll just end with this. I think that, you know, going back to the original conversation regarding, you know, like Tucker Carlson and anti-war, et cetera. When I was, by the way, saying anti-fascist earlier in my head, anti-fascist, anti-war is going to be the same exact thing. At least I would hope so. So um, but I think it's it's so it really, really worries me um, how the you know members of the right, whether it's Carlson or others, continue to be positioned as anti-war because I I do think it absolutely per what Jonathan was saying what we we're talking about earlier it absolutely does hurt um, anti-war organizing which has already been so so hurt in this country over the last 10, 15 years um, but it, it absolutely threatens um, to splinter. 
um, and undermine anti-war um, uh, uh, organizing, but also delegitimize it, right, and discredit it in the in the in the eyes of those who um, might be interested in, in in joining a more a more actively like anti-war positions, um, because then they're seeing people go on shows like Tucker Carlson or whatever. So I think it's yeah, it's a very dangerous um, situation that members of you know, the left might find themselves in.